Okay. okay. <laughs> we got this. We got this. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing a story over and over until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watched The Magic Riddle, made in 1991. We're going to call it the fairy tale remix Cinderella because they just kind of took every fairy tale and slapped it into the middle of a Cinderella. And that went fine. You know, I read the plot synopsis for this, and honestly, this went better than I thought it was going to. I was really scared after I read the plot synopsis, because it just, it just didn't sound like a coherent plot line. It wasn't! <laughs> but this was more coherent than I was expecting. Okay, a lot of <laughs> moments in this animated feature film are just people yelling things in different parts of a setting and it keeps flashing to one person yelling one thing and then to another person yelling another thing and there's like multiple instances of people donning various costumes or like multiple people in the same costume at different points in time it was very confusing is what i'm saying and if it sounded confusing in the summary it's because it was confusing in the actual watching of it yeah so just one note for our listeners before we start, this movie will have the seven dwarves, Pinocchio, grandmother, a stepmother and two stepsisters, a prince and Cinderella. Cinderella, the two stepsisters, the stepmother and the grandmother are all voiced by the same person. Yes. The seven dwarves and Pinocchio are all voiced by the same person. The prince alone has a solo voice. And they do a really good job. The voices are quite distinctive. I was able to tell who was who. So whoever was voice acting did a really good job doing different voices. Okay, like, yeah, they were different voices, but each voice was more annoying than the last. And the way that they differentiated them is by going like this for one of the people. And then going like this for another. My point is, like, yeah, I can make myself sound different, too. It's not, it's not that, that's not the hard part of voice acting. I was impressed they got that far. <sighs> Okay, we got to start because we got to finish. Okay, so first of all, we watched this on YouTube and it says in the description of the video that it's a rip off of VHS. And I think that's amazing. And I just wanted to share that with all of you. It was pretty great. It brought back a lot of memories. <laughs> I haven't watched this before, but just that feeling of how bad VHSs were. So we start with what I have described in my notes as a psychedelic portrait song in that there is a portrait of like a grandmother and a little girl and there's a song about being a little girl and then growing up and becoming a grandmother and all of these fairy tale stories that she used to love hearing her grandmother tell her she now tells them but she gets a little mixed up and then she mixes up a bunch of fairy tales in the other songs but at the end of it she goes I don't care what the others say my fairy tale begins this way and then our story begins yeah she is saying all this by the way floating suspended in space around a background of origami flowers just floating in a screensaver um I don't really know how else to describe it it's uh it's a very the flowers background. are moving but in a screensaver kind of way not like a 
the plants are moving because they're in the wind or they're sentient plants. They're moving in a, they're on a screensaver kind of way. Yes, correct. Okay. So we get this very charming song and then we cut to, it was a dark and stormy night. We have very dramatic music. It's rain pouring down. It's a haunted forest. It's got scary trees and we see a very underfed horse just struggling uphill in the rain, pulling a carriage and falling to its knees and neighing like it's about to be murdered. And there's a girl on the cart. This will be our Cinderella. And she's flapping the reins and urging it forwards. She's not wet at all, by the way. It's pouring rain. She's perfectly dry. Okay, it's also hilarious because I bet all of you right now are picturing her in an old-timey kind of outfit. She's wearing a crop top and jeans. It's the best. And she has, like, long black hair that's loose. And she kind of just, like, she looks like Jackie from that 70s show. Yeah. But if she was, like, a Disney or anime princess. Yeah, she looks very modern. This is not set in any time period, so. No, expect no time period things. Yes, no time periods. Uh, It is set in a haunted forest and a haunted mansion, though. Yes, no, 100% there is a haunted mansion. Okay. So Cinderella, whose name is Cindy, by the way, she has a real name. And the crop top is pink, by the way. It's a pink off-the-shoulder crop top, and it's the best. It's like fuchsia. I loved it. I love. I would wear that outfit 100%. (laughs) So she manages to get her horse up the hill, and they go to cross a bridge, which is very rickety, and lightning strikes just through the sky. Just there is lightning. And the horse rears in terror and races away, and Cindy falls off of the carriage and onto the bridge, which is all half-rotten, and through the bridge and is hanging onto a splintered plank of wood with one hand as it begins to crumble as she's over a chasm. This isn't a bridge over a river. This is a bridge, this might as well be the bridge of Khazadum in the Mines of Moria. It just goes on forever. She's hanging like fully down vertically. Her feet are not touching anything and it's going to be a long way to go if she falls. Oh, so yeah. she's screaming for help and who should hear but this hot guy named Philip, he's not a prince that I can tell of. I think he's just a hot guy that lives in the neighborhood. He looks like Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. I have him in my notes as Tuxedo Mask. It also a little bit like Tuxedo Mask. He just looks like a regular Ken doll kind of dude. Mm-hmm. He is um, actually a prince. It's never made clear to us, but he is designated as a prince. In what? In the, the titles, like in the... Oh, in IMDb. Yeah, so he, he, is, he is a prince. We were never given to understand that he is actually a prince. He's just an important fellow, but he, he is a prince. Like he well, she says he's a gentleman. And she says it like in a class way, not like in a manners way. Yeah. I think IMDb got it wrong. Like, I really don't think he's a prince. There is no men- mention of him being a prince. And you would think the stepmother and the stepsisters would have mentioned it if he was a prince. They did a lot the of prince- mentioning. Yeah. The prince, by the way, is not the one that throws the ball in this story, so we never see the castle or anything like that. So literally no information that he's a prince other than the fact that his horse looks nicer than the other horse, and that's it. The horse's name is also Hero, so we know that this is the main male character. We get the horse's name way before we get the guy's name. Yes. Anyway, so he jumps on this horse and it's a fancy black horse with fancy reins and stuff and a white mane and tail. It's a very pretty horse. 
and races to the girl screaming, manages to catch her just as she lets go, and just easily pulls her up by one arm. I'm just saying that would have absolutely dislocated her shoulder and probably pulled him in too. I mean, I, I don't mind it. I think as far as like first interactions go, that's very dramatic. I'm kind of into it. It's fine. It's a weird way to start a Cinderella, but it's fine. Oh my god, I keep forgetting this is a Cinderella. <laughs> the movie forgets too. You're not alone. So her horse is still scared and runs away, pulling the carriage. The prince jumps on his horse to chase them. And there are all sorts of antics of him catching horses and getting on them. It's very Legolas-like. It's a lot of antics. And he jumps onto the gray horse that belongs to Cindy and like pulls the reins back to get it to stop running. And it's like, it's very cool. And then he says something that's even cooler. He gets back to Cindy and he goes, here's my coat. Go home and I'll sort out this mess. Oh, and yeah. And, and my heart just kind of was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, someone who's doing chores. I love this man. Um, oh, there's a problem and like, you've got it and I don't have to do anything. Great, great. You do this. I, I am going to go home actually. Thank you. Fantastic. Cindy is gathering up chickens who have gotten loose and a blue duck. I don't believe this is her duck. I believe this duck is just hanging out. Quite possibly. She's saying, oh, no, I can't go home without my stuff. My stepmother will yell at me. I'll be in trouble. And the prince, again, reiterates that he will take care of it. And he'll, he'll bring it all home for her. Where does she live? And she says, I live in Keats Manor. And Philip goes, the widow's house? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> amazing. It's so good. I love, I love that, like, presumably he's just, okay, in my reality in which he's just the guy that lives in their village. Mm-hmm. The widow sucks so bad that he has, like, heard of her house and knows to avoid it. Oh, yeah. Like, he both knows who she is and where she lives and is unhappy that that's where he's going. I think the whole village knows because no one ever refers to her as anything except the widow. Okay, that makes it sound, like, way cooler than it actually is. And I don't know. She got enough people to come over. We'll get there. We'll get there. We arrive at the manor and we get our first view of the stepmother. Oh. She's basically Madame Medusa from The Rescuers, but with black hair. So she's got a very pear-shaped body with a very low-cut red dress. Don't worry, we don't get any cleavage because her boobs are hanging down to her hips. No, no, they're very separated from each other. Yes, but very low. They are very pendulous breasts. What I mean is, what I mean is, we do get quite a bit of cleavage. It's just not like a line between Uh, them it's the entire expanse of her chest yeah they they we see a a lot of chest a disturbing amount we also see uh, an incredibly disturbing amount of her underwear uh which is white yes and has little frills i hated it she has black hair that's sort of in two pigtail triangle things she's just got triangle hair okay okay wait do you know that book series for kids about this nice blonde teacher who gets fed up with her class and like leaves and then a mean teacher with black hair and like meaner glasses comes in. Yes. That's what she looks like. Yes, she does. I do not remember what that book is called. I I think the nice teacher is Miss Nelson and like the first book is Miss Nelson Goes Missing. Okay, the mean version is Viola Swamp. Anyways, that's what she looks like. She looks like Viola Swamp, but with like 
a tiny little red dress that does not stay on very well. Nope. Also, we haven't really mentioned this, but this was made in Australia. So everybody has some sort of accent. Sometimes it's Australian. Sometimes it's not. Okay, the guy, the not prince, he just sounds like a regular Australian man. Where To the point where one moment he was off the screen and was just saying things, and I was like, who's that regular Australian man? And it was like, oh, it's a guy. Never mind. That's just what he sounds like. He just sounds so incredibly normal. He could be like your coworker from accounting or something. He absolutely could. So we are at the manor now, and the stepmother is leaning out of the front window, screeching, where are my horse and my carriage and my chickens? And Cinderella says, I had an accident. The stepmother screams back, I'll accident you. Yup. And then the prince shows up and the stepmother is like, oh, Philip, uh, I love you, darling. Welcome, come to tea. And bamboozles him into not refusing to come to tea, which she decides is an acceptance. She does it kind of amazingly because she's like, oh, don't just stand out there. You'll catch a cold. Okay, goodbye. Come to tea tomorrow. It's a two. See you. And then she closes the window on him before he has a chance to say anything. This poor man is gobsmacked. Like, oh, he knew it was going to be bad, but he was, like, not he prepared. was just not ready. How do you prepare yourself for this, though? Honestly. I, we didn't. I'm still not prepared. Nope. And my notes say, in all caps, we see a lot of the widow's body yikes. Yeah. She runs down the stairs, very bow-legged, holding her skirt up very high, and we see all of her underwear. She also slides down the banisters a lot, which they show to us from various angles that we would have preferred not to see. Yep, they're all unpleasant. She gives Cinderella a bunch of chores and yells at her for talking to the prince. And every time the stepmother gives her chores, there are antics because there are a lot of animals in this Cinderella. And by a lot of animals, I don't mean there are a bunch of mice or there are a handful of dogs. We have two bully breed dogs that are the stepmothers called Hansel and Gretel. We have a cat. We have three mice, three pigs, a cow, two goats, several sheep, several horses. Did I say goats already? They all get FaceTime too. They're not just like, just farm animals in the background. Like they're Mm. characters that do things and like make sounds at us for some reason. Yep. The ducks are all individual characters. Mm -hmm. The chickens are all individual characters. And we Uh, haven't even gotten to the dwarfs plus Pinocchio. Yeah. Uh, So every time the stepmother gives her chores, there's antics because the dogs chase the cat who knocks over the milk and the milk lands on somebody's face who slips and crashes into the thing. And that dumps, just, it's that. It's that and it just goes on for several minutes. And we get that series of antics a whole bunch throughout the movie. We also get our first glimpse of a confusing pile of green balls that just look like volleyballs, but they're green. And I, I was trying to figure out what they were because, well, they can't be watermelons. That doesn't make sense. Makes we sense. have that many watermelons. So it's cabbages. There's just balls of cabbages stacked in the kitchen, and they keep panning to these balls of cabbage. And she does a lot of chopping of cabbage. And I know that this is dumb. And I know that none of you listening care, but you just don't understand how much cabbages were on screen for how long. And I just, I need to share this experience. Like I need to connect on an emotional level 
and you just have to deal with it because I had to deal with it and I didn't like it. No. In a few minutes, we get uh, Cinderella singing a chore song. There are multiple musical numbers in this, by the way, dear listener. Did we tell you how many musical numbers there are in this? So many. So many. Uh, It was so many. But in one of them, Cinderella is chopping cabbage and she is dicing cabbage into fairly thin slices. And she's pushing it off the table into a rain barrel, a big barrel, like you would get whiskey in, like one of those big barrels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see it later, and it's full of little cabbage slices. What? Okay, so here's my theory. As someone from a Slavic background, perhaps Cindy is just, like, marinating it. Is she just Like making, it's like... pickled, like it's going to be pickled cabbage. Okay. You could feasibly pickle quite a lot of something in a barrel. People do that. Yeah, okay. I I guess now I'm equally upset about the concept of that much pickled cabbage, but I guess... That is roughly the amount of pickled cabbage that I would like to eat. Wow, okay. Now I'm upset about a lot of things. <laughs> but we do get a chores song now. This is our first song. Uh, the chores song is in part coming from the animals. So Cinderella's doing the thing, I'm sorry, Cindy, where she's like, oh, Cindy, do this, Cindy, do that. And then the animals chime in, singing like, oh, Cindy, do this. Oh, Cindy, here's another chore. But I mean, when she sings it, it's obvious that she's mocking. But when the animals sing it, it does sound like they're telling her to do things. And I found it really off-putting. Yeah, there's also a squirrel actively singing in this song, just in case you wanted more animals. So the song blessedly ends and Cinderella starts to cry and says, I don't know why she hates me. And we cut to a view of the stepmother in her bedroom, staring straight down the camera and says, do you know why I hate her? (laughs) I really enjoyed that. That was a really funny cut. It was great. And then she begins to sing and the song is, because I mean, mean, mean. It was an amazing song about being mean. The song goes from like being like, oh, I'm mean. It's great to be mean. Do you know why I'm so mean? And you think that she's going to say a reason, but instead it's because she's angry. And do you know why I'm angry? And then you're like, okay, it's going to be another fake out. But then she's like, because I can't find a piece of paper. And it's about this big. And she mimes like a regular letter-sized piece of paper. And I'm sitting here like an idiot. Like, is that a metaphor for something? (laughs) No, she's literally looking for grandfather's will. Cindy's grandfather is not hers, I guess. Yes, it is Cindy's grandfather. Okay, so she's looking for the will. She needs to find it before Cindy does. And then she goes, this is what happened. And then another song starts. Yep. So this song explains that While the stepmother has not seen the will, she's positive that Cindy will be the sole beneficiary of the house, the land. The house, by the way, is just the Adams family house. It's it's straight up haunted. It's falling apart. It's in a haunted forest. It is is like a Victorian house. With the appropriate scary music behind it. It's also kind of falling apart a little bit. Whatever Cindy is doing, it's not enough. No, no. So the song is just listing stuff that Cindy might get in the will. Uh, we see a whole bunch more of the stepmother's underwear. Mm-hmm. So she's lamenting that there's going to be nothing left for her, nothing but stale bread and misery and winter and poverty. As she's dancing through the house, we see her daughters for the first time. They're sharing a bath, a bubble bath. And just to be clear, they are the same age 
that you would expect the stepsisters to be in a Cinderella, like old enough that they're into the idea of marrying a dude. They're also both clearly naked because they're in a bubble bath and we get bubbles over the appropriate body parts when they occasionally exit the bath. They move a lot. Like you see like a lot of skin. With a lot of very strategic bubbles, which makes it worse. There's a very strong impression of nudity. And they didn't like it. Yeah, I would much rather just have the nudity. And you know what? You know what? People can bathe however they want to bathe. I just, it was so much screen time. Yeah. And I didn't like thinking about it. Well, the stepmother then also dives into the bathtub with her two grown naked daughters. (laughs) She's still wearing her red dress though. Still singing and she's turning bubbles into dollar bills, talking about how much she likes money. And then... We segue straight from this song to another song about how she wants the best for her daughters and nothing will stand in her way. And this is the Where There's a Will, There's a Way song. I I think it might be the same song, just veers in a wildly different direction for a stanza and then comes back to the same chorus. It might. I don't know. But it ends with a cute little mouse with a little bed in the drawer of a desk just pulling a blanket over itself and going to sleep. For no reason. This won't ever come back. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like, we don't know this mouse. Nope, but it's adorable that it's sleeping in a little drawer, and uh, it made me happy. So, the last thing that the widow sings is that she's going to find the will, and Cindy will never enjoy it. Which, by the way, is not, like, how wills work at all. No. So, Cinderella is doing chores, and it's very late, and she's very tired, and she's just chopping more cabbage Cabbage. into a barrel. (laughs) just pour cabbage into this barrel <laughs> and there's so many cabbages left on the counter <laughs> there's, there's genuinely at least 15 heads of cabbage on this counter one of them falls off and the cat starts to play with it which was adorable and then the cat puts it back into the barrel for cinderella so they're gonna eat that later i guess yeah this house isn't real big on hygiene unless they're feeding the animals the cabbage but you would think you could just toss them the yeah. head of cabbage. They You wouldn't need to dice it up that fine. I mean, anyway, anyway. We should call this the cabbage Cinderella. <laughs> you know, it also works because every time we pull back a leaf, there's another just, one. There's another one. So anyway, Cindy falls asleep on the floor and we get like that it's midnight and there's all these creepy shots of the house. And then we see the nice grandma from the intro. Mm-hmm. And she comes in to the house and she goes, oh, poor child, and begins to sweep up and do the rest of the chores, including chopping more cabbages. One of the stepsisters, her name is Eartha. Um, she looks kind of like Peppy Longstocking, but with a big nose. That's what I've got in mind, too. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got the braids and she's got these green and yellow striped stockings and, and, and freckles. freckles. Yeah. Freckles. So she wakes up and she kind of sneaks down and looks in and sees Grandma's cutting up cabbage. And Grandma goes, oh, you must be Eartha. Oh, and you're so pretty. And it totally works because Eartha's like, oh, okay, hi, who are you? And we find out that this is Cindy's grandmother who used to look after you girls when you were little. But then the widow sent me away to live in the forest, where I live with seven little dwarfs carved by grandfather. Cindy doesn't know anything about this, so please don't tell anyone. Yup, that's what happens. That is the information we get in roughly that amount of time. Mm -hmm. 
I wanted to put in one little note. When Eartha sneaks up on the grandmother, she's holding her broom like she's going to murder her with it. It's this film that you get in a slasher movie of someone sneaking up and someone going, <gasps> it was great because grandma is the one that goes, <gasps> but she's literally holding a knife. She's literally holding a knife because she's cutting cabbage and Eartha is armed with a broom. And I really wanted there to be a knife fight. That would have been incredible if they just yeah. like kill Bill style. Yeah. Had a throw down. <laughs> oh, phenomenal. Chef's kiss. Perfect. That's not what happens. No, not at all. Nope. So Eartha goes, oh, I would never tell mother. And then she giggles. And I guess she is going to tell mother. But I don't know that she does. I don't think she does, actually. I don't think she does. So Eartha is the nicer stepsister. Bertha is the mean stepsister. And she's blonde and fat, which you get a lot of fat jokes. Don't love that. Eartha is just an agent of chaos this entire time. She will participate in shenanigans. She will give useful advice. She will instigate stuff. She will cover for people. She will tattle on people. She's just, Eartha is baffling. She's chaotic neutral, just true neutral. She has very Loki energy. Yes. In the sense that you're like, I'm pretty sure she's on Cindy's side, but also she possibly just betrayed her or it could be part of a greater plan. I can't tell at this point. Yeah, she, she is the Loki of this Marvel universe. <laughs> Which means I guess Bertha is Thor? Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Buff but stupid, yeah. <laughs> um, so then it's the morning, and all the chores are done, and the widow's like, but that's impossible. That's too many chores. Somebody help you. And Cindy's like, no, I did it all by myself. Well, what she says is no one helped me, but she fell asleep knowing that there were chores, and there are now no chores. So what does she think happened? I think she doesn't remember falling asleep or she did one of those where you dream all night about the work you have to be doing things. I think she genuinely is like, yeah, I guess I did all of this. Oh man, that makes sense. Cool. That's canon. I buy it. So anyway, the widow's like, obviously you can handle more chores and she gives her more chores. And then Philippe arrives. Is it Philippe or Philip? It's Philip. It's spelled Philippe. It's a very fancy spelling, but it's just pronounced Philip. So Philip arrives on his black horse and he can hear like commotion from the street because everyone in the household is helping Bertha get dressed. And then Philip just kind of walks into the house. So we keep getting flashes of them trying to get like a corset tightened onto Bertha. Mm-hmm. And Philip just like walking through the house until he walks into the room that they're in and they're like hijinks and she ends up falling on top of him while still undressed and then she kisses him a lot and then and then she crawls away on all fours like a giant baby and we see that she's in her underwear which is very diaper like adding to the baby aspect it was it was truly horrendous i guess the stepmother takes the prince back downstairs what happens next is cinderella is continuing to try to get bertha ready and eartha is helping with hair and combing and powder and stuff Okay, Eartha is not helping. She dips a perfume bottle into a fish tank and then sprays her sister with fish tank water. That's what happened. Okay, that makes more sense. I was (laughs) typing as fast as my little fingers could go, guys. (laughs) So what's happening is Philip is sitting in some sort of sitting room with the widow Mm -hmm. and she's like talking to him. The two sisters are still helping Bertha get ready, but then they arrive and now they're also in the room, yes. sitting with Philip. Well, before that can happen, Eartha takes a pin and stabs Bertha in the butt cheek with it. Yes, to her entrance. Yes. 
And Bertha lands on the end of the sofa very heavily and tosses everyone else up into the air. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the widow calls for Cinderella to bring drinks or something. Cindy always answers, yes, mom. Which I hate. I hate it when Cinderella calls her stepmother mother. I, that's the worst. Yeah, that's gross. It's gross when it happens. Oh, also, before Cindy shows up, Philip is like, hey, don't you have another daughter? Yeah. And the widow goes, no. And then she's like, oh, Cindy. Yep. So that's a nice little horrific disconnect there. Yep. But I do like that Philip's asking about her. Me too. I thought this was a very nice prince. I really liked that he likes her. I really like how much he likes her from right away. I don't know. I really like this prince. I thought he was really good. I thought he was great. And I think I'm already on the record as believing that anybody who's like, hey, your family's crazy and I love you and like, it's okay. Yeah. I'm always a big fan of that. I think that's a very romantic gesture. Also, any prince who's like, oh, I see that you are overwhelmed and struggling. Allow me to do this for you. I'm on board. That's really helpful. Yeah, he's genuinely, like, very charming, actually. Yeah, we, we like Philip. Philip is good. Philip's great. So Cindy is bringing drinks, and uh, Bertha kicks her, trips her under the table or something, and the glass pitcher flies up and lands on Eartha's head, and her head gets stuck inside it. I only mention this because this is the first of many times that someone's head will get stuck in something. It, this is a running joke with this movie. Yeah, and they animate it each time, like, separately, and sometimes it's, like, a clear picture, and sometimes it's, like, a bucket, and it's just a lot of things. They did they not just, reuse their animation. It is fresh and horrible each just, time. They just do that every single time. Whose job do you think it was to come in every day and draw somebody's head stuck in a picture every day? I do want to say... But the animation in this is actually, like, very good at a lot of times, especially mm-hmm. the way that they depict backgrounds. Oh, yeah, the backdrops um, are gorgeous. All of the architectural interior shots were very, very cool, and there was a lot of visual interest happening, and, like, every time they ride through a forest, there's all these, like, woodland animals, like, jumping over ravines and stuff, or, like, slowly looking at the camera. Yeah. And, like, it's very beautiful. Not just like deer, guys, because I know you're thinking just, okay, a deer, a squirrel, a rabbit. No, a pheasant. And a moose. <laughs> There's a moose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, the backdrops had a very Beauty and the Beast sort of, again, it's early 1900s, God help me, early 1990s feel where the backdrops are just gorgeously animated and illustrated. So it was really pretty to watch the background. As upsetting as the animation is for The Widow, Cindy looks, like, very beautiful. She looks like a little Disney anime girl. Yeah. I didn't like what they were doing, but the technical animation was really quite good. Right, which is why it's, like, all the more baffling that they only hired three voice actors (laughs) for this feature-length animation. Maybe they blew their entire budget on illustrators and animators. (gasps) Oh, yes, that's what happened. And they had to get, like... A friend, someone that owed them a favor, and like the new intern that they caught in the lunchroom having lunch. Yep. And we're like, you can do voices, right? Sure. Great. Fantastic. Yes, sir. (laughs) So uh, unfortunately, we get another song now as the widow urges her daughters to show the prince their new dancing skills, I guess. This is one of those songs that's literally happening in universe because we see the widow get up, walk over to a piano, 
tell the girls do your song and start playing piano and so these adult women are doing like a little dance and song skit for the guy they both want to marry i guess in their living room this is another sister sisters we're so sisters sisters bertha spends a lot of time running bertha down in this one and there are lots of fat jokes about how large bertha is which is not even that fat she's just genuinely very stocky I mean, it's such a silly looking cartoon that it's hard to say what a normal human body is supposed to be. Because in terms of how upsetting something is, the way that the widow's body is animated moving. Oh, so upsetting. So upsetting. Just so upsetting. So much. So like, how am I supposed to look at that, which is like this weird spider creature cavorting. And then look at someone who's like a normal human shape and be like, oh yeah, that's bad. Like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with that. Yeah. This is also one of those songs where the stepmother sings part of it and then the girls sing sort of a different part of semi-different melody. And then they decide to overlap the song. So they're all singing different things at the same time. So the two sisters pulled Philip and they each have one of his arms and they're making him dance with them. Mm Mm-hmm. And the three mice that we saw earlier just come out and start mocking them, possibly, or just participating. Who knows? And then the girls notice the mice, and they yell, and everyone falls. On top of the prince. Yeah. And then we move on to the farm animals. Yeah. I've got this as cut to extensive cow milking scene. We spend so a we lot see of a close-up <laughs> of this cow's udder. We don't see all of the cow. We nope. see all of the udder. They put a lot of time and effort into getting this from an angle so that one, like, each individual, is teat. it still teat? Great. Yep. Love to say that. Uh, <laughs> when each individual teat is tugged, that's, like, animated separately. It's not a straight-on up-and-down motion. It's no, a it's... slightly diagonal, so it kind of bends and zooms in a little. Yeah, and it What shows I'm saying the... is there's, like, perspective involved, and they dedicated a lot of time and effort into making just, like, very realistic butters getting milk yeah. scene. Yeah, we cut away for a second, and I breathed a premature sigh of relief because yeah, we Yeah, you immediately... think it's over, but it only gets worse. It only gets worse. They cut back, and this time Cinderella is shooting a stream of milk to the cat but they they animate it so thoroughly okay she's kind of done milking the cow but then she goes oh may i and i'm like what are you asking permission for now like would you need permission for now cindy (laughs) and and then she like was asking for permission to take a teat and aim it at the cat to squirt it into the cat's mouth. Which and is, we just saw all of that happen, like, in lovingly, excruciatingly detailed close-up. Yeah, also the, the cat is sort of behind where the camera is, so the milk comes diagonally <laughs> out of the teat towards you, and it's just, it's very upsetting. It's so dynamic, very dynamic animation. It, is, it sure is dynamic. That is absolutely <laughs> a word that exists in the English language. Anyways. Philip shows up then, thank God, to end this horrible milking scene. She knocks over the bucket a little bit in surprise, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, did I startle you? And she's like, no. And then the cow headbutts her back so that she sort of goes flying into Philip, and his horse, Hero, headbutts him in the back of the head so that he falls on her in a mouth kiss. 
<laughs> yeah, like they don't like stumble into each other. And then like she puts her hands on her shoulders and goes, oh, I'm sorry. And he like puts his hands on her waist and is like, no, it's okay. I'm sorry. No, no, no. They literally just like their faces <laughs> mush into each other. <laughs> was the best. Was the most unexpected kiss scene I've ever seen. I don't know if I love it or hate it. It was so funny. It was the best. Okay. So he invites her on a picnic. They're surprisingly chill about this kiss. They're just like, oh, that was sort of embarrassing. Yeah, the kiss is not addressed. Not at all. Well, because they both know that it was an accident. There wasn't intention behind it. I don't know. Like, if that happened to me with somebody on accident, I still want to talk about it. I'm sorry. If a cow had butted you at the same time that a horse had butted somebody else and you wound up accidentally, like, lip smushed together, you'd want to be like, hey, let's discuss this. I need a brief check-in. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'd be like, we never discussed this. This never happened. Moving on. (laughs) Would you like to go on a picnic? He does invite her for a picnic, and he does the the handsome prince thing where he's like, oh, you don't need to call me sir. My name is Philip. And She calls him sir a lot. It's really weird. It is weird because nobody else calls him sir at all. The, because the, I think he's just the guy, Liv. I guess he's just a dude then. I, the widow shows up shrieking at Sandy for speaking to him. Just for existing, really. Yeah, and she frightens the chickens who poop eggs onto her and then eggs crack on her face. That's what I have in my notes. Yeah. Among the things that Cindy is assigned to do as chores this go around is to repaint all the walls in the barn because they look bad. So that's Uh, what Cindy's doing. Yeah. My note says, stepmother tells Cindy to paint all the walls tonight, adjusts her boobs, and storms out. Yes, that's exactly how it went down. (laughs) Okay. So Cindy's (laughs) painting... Okay. Which, for some reason, she's painting, like, the kind of white walls with brown. I, I have so many notes about this because I've painted my house a bunch. She's painting brown walls brown, and she's starting in the middle. It's a wooden board wall, so it doesn't have a single contiguous surface. It's literally boards. And she's just picked one at about head height, <laughs> and she's just painting that one. She yeah. only ever paints that one, by the way. No other ones get painted, so there's just one board that's just extra brown the next day, I guess. Yes, they're horizontal boards. Yes. And she just picked one, like, eye level. It's great. It's incredible. (laughs) So she's having a sad montage memory of Philip asking her to go on a picnic. Which we just saw, like, 30 seconds ago. Yes, but we get it repeated several times. It's just his, like, ghostly voice going, Cindy, will you go on a picnic with me? (laughs) As if it's, like, very portentous. They will never go on a picnic, by the way, guys. So something about the word picnic makes her think of the box that's on a shelf next to her. Yes. And it's like a cardboard box. I don't know what to tell you. So she takes it down and she opens it and there's an intricate little wooden music box and she opens it and there's a couple dancing in a circle, like a little wooden man and lady spinning. Cindy goes, oh, I love to dance, plus plus. And that's a character beat, I guess, is that Cindy loves dancing. Yep. My note here gets real huffy because this music box, wooden carved couple that are genuinely just animated like a music box at this point, just sort of spinning around one another. It's two three-dimensional figures rotating believably. Yes. is so much better than several of the Cinderella's that we've seen in this season and their dancing scenes with their prince. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. so, more romantic, too. More, more romantic, better animated, better drawn. I was, I was a little bit salty about it. My notes get kind of huffy. <laughs> uh, but then it goes into an imagination montage, and little wooden couple becomes her and Philip, and they dance a bunch. So they're not exactly dancing. They're standing in a pose that looks more natural for dancing than when they were like a little wooden couple. And they are spinning around together a lot, but that's about it. We do see the dancing reflected in Cindy's eyes, which was a really cool shot. Oh, it was incredible. It was, it was my favorite shot of the entire movie. So let me read you my notes for one second. Yes. Then they turn into the prince and see and are reflected in her eyes. So much spinning. Wow. Insect eye view. God, Jesus, ow. Kaleidoscope <laughs> rainbow disco background. C is asleep, having painted exactly one board. <laughs> that's just what happens okay so what happens is they only have this one animated shot of cindy and phillips spinning together so they show it to us in like weird fractals of like little tiles of them doing it and they show it to us in the diagonal line and they show it to us in double vision and they're just really making the most out of it i mean they sure are at one point, it just kind of goes around in circles and there's a rainbow background. But like a kaleidoscope rainbow disco ball background. Yes. It's I also, shiny. by the way, have it listed as fly vision. Because it, it looks like insect vision. It's in hexagons. Yeah. It was an insane choice. It was absolutely crazy. It's bananas. Cinderella's asleep now, I guess. She's fallen asleep in front of the um, now-stopped music box. And the grandmother comes in again, and Eartha sneaks down, and we're getting is background music. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, just, it's great. It's, it's <laughs> wonderful. The stepmother also wakes up and also sneaks down. The stepmother falls down the stairs. Eartha hears the commotion and hides. And the widow is very mad when she sees that the grandmother's there. She's peeking through a keyhole, and she goes, I thought the old hag was dead. <laughs> Which was incredible. Yeah. So she sneaks up behind her, but steps on the cattail. And there are just an incredibly long scene of antics. I could tell this was going to be a lot. So I, I wrote down the sequence of events. So what okay. happens is the widow sneaks in. She steps on the cat's tail. Grandma upends her bucket onto the widow with the bucket ending up on the widow's head. Cindy wakes up and runs into a different room because she thinks that there's a ghost because the widow is covered in suds and that's very scary. The cats and the dogs run around. The widow smacks into a wall. Cindy hides under the bed in a bedroom, presumably her bed, but Eartha is already hiding there. Eartha explains <laughs> that it's grandma actually, not ghosts, and then she has to explain who grandma is. Um, and then she tells Cindy to get into bed and pretend to be asleep. She'll explain everything later because she wants to watch the show. And then she walks back into the kitchen, I guess, I guess. where the widow is chasing grandma around on circles around the table with a pot of water. And there's more animal antics running between them. And Eartha is just like loving it. She's so excited. She's laughing. She's having a really good time. And then grandma sneaks out while dogs lick jam off of the widow. I maybe missed something in the middle. There. You missed some stuff in the middle. Someone gets their foot stuck in a pitcher of water, and then the pitcher of water gets stuck on someone's head again. The stepmother this entire time is making sort of 
Scooby-Doo monster hands where you raise your like, hands I'm up. Gonna you're gonna you, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna get, get you. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> yeah. So we both just did that on the video call just now. Yes. <laughs> so the cat knocked over a jar of jam and the dogs are licking it off of her. The dogs are named Hansel and Gretel. Yes, I loved it. So the widow sicks them on the grandmother, but the dogs would prefer to chase the cat. The widow is now riding her dogs with one foot on either dog, like trick rodeo riding. <laughs> and again, gets her head stuck in another vase. Eartha is just dying. Eartha's having the best night. And then the stepmother is mean to the dogs, which I was not happy about. She sort of yells at them and they sort of whine and cower towards her. And she orders them to stay outside and to never let the grandmother back in. Okay, the dogs are actually really well animated. What's mm-hmm. that breed of dog? I think they're... They, they look like a bully breed. They have those really pointed faces. Yeah. I know what they look like. I just don't know what they're called. Okay, I found a picture of it. Bull Terrier. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so they look like Bull Terriers. Yeah, and like their faces are really well animated. And I also didn't like that she was being mean to the dogs, but they had these beautiful, dopey, oh no, I'm, I'm bad faces. I'm... It's like guilty dog, but like dog that fundamentally feels loved and secure and knows nothing actually bad is going to happen. It was really cute. We really like these dogs a whole lot. These dogs are real cute. So anyway, um, we're like not even halfway through this stupid movie. Was this the point where you had us stop it and we were only 30 minutes into this 90 minute movie and you almost cried? Oh my god, I literally had to take like a 10 second break where I just looked at the wall and just like breathed. Yep, we had to do that multiple times. More more than three in this movie. Just we had to take a break. So... What happens next is Eartha is explaining everything to Cindy, saying, you know, there's a grandmother and she lives in the woods. We get most of this from the point of view of the stepmother, who's listening to them through the closed door. Eartha's actual words are, it's a big secret. You have a grandma. (laughs) Which is how I want all revelations to be told to me. Agreed. Agreed. Eartha follows this up with, here, take this red riding hood cloak. Go find her. She lives in her little cottage with little wooden men. Oh, so this is the first time Trish is mentioned? Eartha goes, you should go visit your grandma while we're in church. Yes. Which felt very weird to me. Church gets mentioned a lot in this in a way that will never pay off. Literally, people keep mentioning church. And I'm like, oh, do we go to a church at some point? No. No. Nothing happens with church. We don't even get married in the church. We get married at the widow's house at the end. Yeah, weird choice. Anyways, so the stepmother, hearing this, cackles to herself and eats the jam that is still on her face. And then she goes to her room, cackling very menacingly, and says to her mirror, Oh, silver bright reflection. Oh, slimy clear perfection. Come point the right direction. Give me a hint, a clue. So brilliant and so clear. Will you disappoint me? Never. I'll be your friend forever. Just tell me what to do. And the reflection comes to life and crawls out of her mirror like a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Like a demon. Mm -hmm. And then returns to the mirror and draws a picture on the inside of the mirror. And this is the disguise that the magic mirror suggests that the widow wear. (laughs) It's a hat and like a beard. 
Okay. And it draws it on the surface of the mirror and then stands strategically behind it so that you could see what it would look like. And then because it's still like incredibly not clear what it is, mm -hmm. the disguise then appears on the reflection for real. And I don't know why it didn't do that sooner, but it's just a big hat and like a big beard. And a, a big trench coat. Well, obviously there's a trench coat. Yeah. So the, the plot summary says that this is supposed to be a salesman costume. This looks like a, this, <laughs> yes. This looks like a Hasidic Jew. This is a this is a Jew costume, and it was it was uncomfortable, especially since she was a salesman. Like I didn't like it. Oh, that's so weird. Oh, I don't yeah. like that. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. There was not a fake Jewish accent, thank God, but it was uncomfortable. Now, fortunately, we cut away from that, and we cut to the grandmother's cottage in the middle of the forest. And she's Surrounded sitting. by giant wooden statues of dwarves. Yep. They're not like little gnome guys that nope. you put in your front yard. They're like life-size human statues, and they look the same size as all the other people. They are as large as the grandmother, who is as tall as Cindy. When Cindy first gets there later, she'll be the same size as the dwarves. When they stop being wood, they will start to be dwarf size. They will start to be half height. Don't spoil it. Whatever. I hate this. <laughs> so grandma's just hanging out and she sort of laments to herself that she can't remember where the will is and that there was some sort of magic riddle that went with it, but she doesn't remember the riddle either. So she kind of tries out a few things that she thinks the riddle might be. And it's all stuff like riddle me diddle, riddle me dear. No, I have to redo it. Okay. Okay. Riddle me, diddle me. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So the rhyme is like, riddle me, diddle, riddle me there. I've hidden my will and I won't tell you where. And there's all these stanzas that keeps going on, how like, oh, you could ask the bird, but the bird doesn't know. And you could ask the neighbors, but the neighbors also don't know. Also during this horrible riddle song, there was a long antic scene about a bird and a worm, and I really hated every second of it. I didn't even write that down. I was, was like, if Liv doesn't get it, I don't even care. We're not going to talk about it. Nope. Everybody needs to know there was a terrifying worm antic scene, and I really hated it. And then it finally reveals to us that only Pinocchio knows, and that he takes it with him wherever he goes. And then it pans to this weirdly detailed regal portrait of yeah. the grandfather, who looks kind of like Rajah Ghoul from Batman with like the very distinguished hair and beard and mustache situation. I have that he sort of looks like Count Olaf. A little bit, yeah. yeah. That works too. He looks like a count, basically. <laughs> yes. Full stop. Like picture a count. That's what he looks like. And then next to him is this little bald man with a big nose that just looks like a human man, but it's Pinocchio. And he's not rendered to the same extent as the grandfather is, like the grandfather has all these lines on his face to signal death. So the roundness of Pinocchio's head is yep. just so profound and uncanny. Also, and he's got a very dopey expression. Yeah. Also, normally when we see Pinocchio, Pinocchio is a boy. This is a bald middle-aged man who has three strands of hair growing out the middle of his head, but is completely bald. Okay, but also this is like presumably the grandparents' cottage. Yes. And there's not, like, a painting of the two of them together. There's just this, no. her dead husband and his weird little puppet man. 
on a desk that is covered in spider webs and then the portrait's eyes come alive and wink at us yeah for no reason for that no reason signify anything but every time we see a portrait the portrait is animated in some way like it's harry potter yeah again this won't ever matter or mean anything it's just an unpleasant thing that we had to watch so then there's a salesman at the door and the salesman is there to sell her a rocking chair the grandmother's like oh well thank you so much but i don't need a rocking chair and the salesman says who is the widow by the way guys it's the widow it's very obviously the widow says you don't have to buy it just try it and the grandmother goes to sit on it but the bird sits on it first and sort of pecks her butt so she doesn't sit on it there's antics she finally sits on it and then um wrist cuffs come out of the the arms of the rocking chair and strap the grandmother into the rocking chair where she screams to be released. Do you think that's something that the widow just, like, had in her basement? I don't know why the widow has that. Did she build it specifically for this? Like, that's, there was, like, a mechanism in there. It was very impressive. Yeah. So the stepmother is cackling as the grandmother is crying and begging to be released. And then the stepmother hitches the dogs to the rocking chair and then gets on the back of the rocking chair and sled rides through the forest, taking the grandmother to the castle of 100 doors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that seemed like a really big number. 100. She <laughs> doesn't like... Like, if somebody told me that castle has 100 doors, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably the right amount of doors for a castle. My house has... 10 doors. Uh huh. And I live in a 2,400 square foot, two story Victorian house with a lot of the doors removed. I have room for several more doors. So the castle is pretty cool. And the premise is it's like this, an Escher painting. You can never get out of it because the doors keep moving and you can't leave. But just the number 100, just like, come on, guys, there are bigger numbers out there. I think it's very charming. I don't know. It bugged me. So the widow's like, where they'll never find you. The castle of 100 doors. <laughs> which is great on a lot of levels. But people do, in fact, find her. Like, 10 people find her there, so, independent of each other. So many people find her. Actually, a location that somebody finds first while looking for Grandma's Cottage. That's how easy this place is to find. People yep. find it without even looking for it. <laughs> they just wind up there. It's literally, like, the one big thing in the forest. Yes. So, Cindy's walking around the forest, looking for Grandma, and just, like, seeing, like, oh, where can my grandmother be? And then, like, a wolf shows up. The wolf has weird beige circles around his eyes and dainty little white feet with little red shoes on. So, I guess it's the widow dressed up as the wolf, but... When the wolf opens its mouth, it looks like a wolf opening its mouth. Like, it doesn't look like it's a mask. Yeah, it's in no way a mask. It's just an animated wolf. It's a haunted wolf costume is what it is, because everyone who puts it on, and several beings will put on this costume, immediately become animated like the wolf, and their face moves like the wolf, and their wolf tongue moves, and their wolf snout snouts, and it's just, so I think it's haunted. I think it's like the mask. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But with a wolf costume, yeah. So... The wolf is, like, going somewhere in a deep voice, but it takes him a while to get to the deep voice because it's the widow. Mm -hmm. So it's the widow doing, like, a weird wolf guy voice. 
And then because this is made in Australia, the wolf goes, be careful, the forest is full of snakes. Be careful, walk slowly. And Cindy's like, oh, well, could you come with me? And the wolf's like, nope, can't come. I have a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cindy's like, oh, thank you, Mr. Uh... Oh, God. And the wolf goes, big, beautiful wolf. And then runs away in, like, an effeminate way. Yelling, doodle loop, doodle loop, doodle loop. <laughs> yeah. Just the whole time. Every time we see the wolf And we keep running. seeing the wolf run away. Like, they keep cutting back to it. I don't know why. I have no idea. Cinderella does make it to the cottage and she knocks on the door. The wolf is already there and puts on the cap and jumps in the bed. And we're now watching Little Red Riding Hood. Okay, but just to be clear, this is the widow dressed in a full body wolf costume who, instead of removing the wolf costume, has just put like a grandma cap on top of the wolf head. She's wearing like a realistic wolf head on her face. Well, if she wasn't wearing a mask, then Cindy would recognize her as the widow. Don't be silly, Talon. Okay, but why <laughs> is it better that she sees that her grandma is actually a wolf? Okay, wait, so this does actually play out in a way that sort of makes sense in-universe. Okay, fine. So we get the little red writing story of, oh, grandmother, how big your ears are, how big your eyes are. Again, this all makes much more sense if it's actually a wolf instead of a costume, but whatever. And how big your teeth are, and the because widow... Because the eyes are just person-sized eyes. They're exactly regular. Yep. yep. And the teeth, the teeth, we get a close-up of the teeth, and they're attached to the mouth. Yep. And so we get the how big your teeth are, what big teeth you have, and the widow goes, all the better to eat you with. Cinderella screams and runs away. The stepmother pulls off the wolf's head and laughs, saying... Stupid girl will never come back to see her grandmother again. So she, she knew she was going to get caught as a wolf and was doing it as a tactic to scare off Cinderella so that she could never come back to see her grandmother to find out about the will. I mean, it just feels like so many steps. I mean... There's a lot of this in this movie. Where they decide to achieve X, they need to do ABC. But they, like, they really didn't have to. No, no. This is the Rube Goldberg movie. Yeah. So now we do the ugly duckling. Yes. In case you wanted the ugly duckling, here it is. So Cindy just sits by a river and is crying. And we see a family of ducklings. And one of them is the bluish, greenish duckling that we saw at the very beginning that had mm -hmm. pruited its leg. But now its leg is fine. But I guess it's ugly because it's not brown like the other ducks. Yeah, it's blue. But doesn't that just mean that he's a boy and the other ducks are girls? Okay, in duck universe, yes. In ugly duckling like, that's universe... that's pretty normal. You can be a boy. That's fine. Yeah, Some but people it, like that. But in... Uh, oh, no, it's not the gender. It's just that the, in the ugly duckling story, it's that he's a swan. He's not a duck, and he looks ugly because he's not a duck. No, I, I am familiar with the story of the ugly duckling. Thank you, Olivia. I didn't know if you had some sort of, like, crazy Russian version of the ugly duckling where it, like, murders its family i don't know no there's not a there's not a crazy russian version of um we do have a different version of pinocchio though it's called buratina oh no i've read that because there's an italian version that's the same and we had to translate yeah, it in school that's what it, it is that's absolutely... the one that they do in russia oh my god it was terrifying no one does pinocchio mm -mm, no buratina was terrifying anyways 
we're not to Pinocchio yet. We're still in the Ugly Duckling. Oh my god. So, okay. So, the duckling is blue, and she sings a song to the duckling. Wait, wait, hang on, like, hang on, hang on. You missed, you missed an important thing. So, she's sitting crying by the river. The stepsisters drive by in a carriage, wave to her hello, and as they ride by, they go, well, that's strange. Philip has turned off the road. Philip Presumably, is- they're stalking him. He's in the far distance. He's He's a mile away. So then Cinderella starts to sing a song about don't cry. My notes just say, oh good, a quack song. Okay, so the ducks are like quacking at her and she sings a song to the blue one who in no way has expressed any issues, by the way. She just singles him out and is like, whoa, when nobody wants you and nobody needs you, I'll be here for you. You're different, but you can still dream. Like yeah, the, the lyric I got from that was, try not to cry, we're all lonely. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's (laughs) Jesus. It's just like a weird song that doesn't make it keeps going in different directions. Yeah. And but at the end of the song, the blue duckling is sort of snuggled up to its mother, and its duck siblings are all being playful with it. So this is not an ugly duckling story. It's just there for some reason. And then something truly bizarre (laughs) happens. So good. So she says, oh, ducks, I wish I was a duck. Then I could just fly away. And the ducks answer her in a low voice and say, well, why do you want to fly away? And she goes, but oh, like in the quacky voice. They're like, oh, why, why do you, do you want, want to fly away? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, oh, it's because I'm so miserable. And she answers several other duck questions. I didn't write them down. Why are you miserable? Because I'm in love. Um, and he doesn't know it, and we can never be together, stuff like that. Um, it's Philip, guys. It's Philip behind a bush pretending to be a duck. Yeah, like it pans a little bit because the ducks are never quite like moving their mouths like they're talking, and they continue quacking throughout. <laughs> so it's already a little weird, but then it kind of pans just a little bit over. And Philip is just crouched down behind some reeds, cupping a hand to his mouth, going, Oh, who do you love, Black? <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> oh, God, it was so good. So he appears from the reeds, and... Um, she's confessed that she's in love with Philip. Yeah, and Bertha and Arthur sort of hearing this sneak back and watch them from a tree or something. Philip gives Cinderella a ring. And she's like, why? And he sort of goes, I mean, to to think about me. Uh, to think about us? It, <laughs> it was a great moment of insecurity for the prince, and I really enjoyed it. I did, too. I also love that his opening line to her as he comes out into the clearing is, she's treated you so cruelly, that horrible woman. Yes, the prince is good. This is a good prince. We like him. Yeah, I really enjoy that. I think it's nice that he's not like, ah, a woman in distress. I will tell her I love her. Like, no, he's like addressing the fact that she's in distress first. And then he tells her he loves her. It's very, it's very correct. Yes. But unfortunately, the widow shows up now and apologizes to Philip for Cindy having bothered him and screams at Cindy to go home. And as she's leaving, the widow sort of hooks the prince around one arm and says, she's such a cunning, nasty little thing. You should keep away from her. And then tells him to walk with her daughters and pushes him towards the daughter. The ducks are losing their minds in the background. Mm -hmm, The ducks mm -hmm. are levitating in fury in the background. 
And then the widow goes, oh, isn't it funny? I had a terrible headache and I couldn't go to church. At which point I have in all caps written, is there going to be a church? Why? Nope. 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 So Cinderella is crying in the barn now. Owls hoot sadly. Guys, there's so many animals in this. Mice chitter sadly. I want you to know, Talon, that I've spelled mice M-I-S-S. <laughs> I spelled mice correctly. <laughs> Sheep and cows are also sad, and the goats and a rooster is also sad. All of the animals are sad. Cindy goes, oh, what more can she do to me? And then two pigs come over to consult her, and she goes, where's the third little pig? And now we're doing this instead. And a wolf emerges from the straw, acting like a wolf with sort of wolf voice and wolf antics and wolf animation. And I had forgotten this part in the synopsis. And so I'm like, I'm sorry, is the widow back in a wolf costume hiding in the hay? But no, no, it is the third little pig who has put on the cursed wolf costume. (laughs) And become a wolf. (laughs) Become possessed with the soul of Loki. And then... There's laughter at this, I guess. And at this point, Cindy realizes, oh, the wolf was the widow. That's so bizarre to me. I mean, yes, like, she's right, but that's such a weird (laughs) conclusion from finding a pig inside a wolf costume in your barn. Well, she clearly recognizes the wolf costume. What cracks me about that line is that, to me, it sort of indicates that when she first rolls into her unknown grandmother's house and sees a wolf wearing a nightcap in bed, she goes, is that the widow? no I don't think so and then at this scene she goes oh it was the widow I was my instinct was correct (laughs) that that's just what that scene implies to me and it cracks me up but then (laughs) but then but then Cindy puts the mask on and snarls this this mask is cursed this is a cursed (laughs) costume and Cindy just walks in a tight circle for a little bit and then we get another very long song about the three little pigs Okay, so the song is just the story of the three little pigs, but it drags on so long. You can't even imagine. It's the whole it thing. It starts out with them being, like, new in town, and there's no rooms for rent, and then they go to architecture school. Architecture and then, school. And then, only then, do we get to the part where they build all the houses. Okay, and also, a little sheep dresses up as the wolf next, and, like, I does, was- like, a deep wolf voice and sings parts about the wolf who lived on Vinegar Hill and sold his mother for one dollar bill. A, I loved that. B, I love the fact that it is a sheep in wolf's clothing. Yes. Like that just made me happier than it has any right to make me. I mean the sheep is giving it its all. I was living for this role. It like read the assignment. It's super a thousand percent into it. Mm -hmm. I now at this point in my notes have Every story extraneous song is worse than the last. Yes. A thing that happens in this song is uh, we get told that when the wolf tries to blow down the the brick house, which it turns out is built in universe. It is a real brick and mortar home that has been built in the barn in the last two minutes. Uh, Yeah, like everyone's acting this out like it's a musical within the thing. All the animals are also participating and singing. But it turns out that this is really happening in-universe. This is not just a a mechanism by which we have to endure this. This is truly happening in-universe, which is absolutely bonkers. Which also means that animals can't speak in this universe, or some animals can't, so it's not weird that a duck was talking to her, maybe. Okay, I just, I would really, it would just really make me feel more comfortable if we could establish (laughs) in-universe whether it is or it isn't normal for a duck to be talking to you. 
I agree. Because I just, I keep thinking about it from the prince's point of view. Like, what is Philip's thought process? Like, is he like, I will pretend to be a duck as everyone knows ducks can talk? Or is it just like a dude in our universe doing a weird duck voice asking you questions and you interact with the ducks as though that is happening? Oh, God, imagine how much worse that is, though. Like, if you're just in the universe where ducks talk, being like, I'll just pretend to be a duck because everyone knows ducks talk. That's totally normal. If you're in a universe where animals don't talk and you start to duck talk to somebody and they start to <laughs> answer back to the duck, that I feel like that's a witch test. Like, that's a, <laughs> that's a more humane version of the are you a witch test. It was just weird. It was weird. I didn't like it. I didn't like his duck voice. Anyways. I didn't like that he was, like, all on all fours in the bushes doing it. We can't go back to the bushes. We can't. We can't. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. So, anyways, at one point during this Free Little Pig song, the wolf is trying to blow down the brick house, and it says, the wolf went purple in the face, at which point the actual costume of the wolf turns sort of a palish purple, which means mm-hmm. I think that it really is haunted. I, I don't think there's any way we can avoid this. Yeah, I think it just possesses you, and you literally become a wolf. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, Ertha and Bertha, I hate that that's their names, Uh, Ertha and Bertha are watching, and Ertha's kind of on board, she's like, someone's gotta have some fun around here, Oh yeah. but Bertha's, like, not happy that this is happening, so does Bertha make Ertha fake calling, like, the widow's calling Cindy? Yeah, I don't know. Because Ertha's the one that does it. Ertha definitely mimics the widow's voice and calls for Cinderella. I don't know if Bertha makes her do that or if that's just Ertha's chaotic neutral showing up. Yeah, I I think she's taking advantage of the situation to just, like, entertain herself. Quite possibly. Uh, So uh, Cindy leaves and Ertha and Bertha knock over the very real brick house that was really built in the last song. And Bertha bangs on a pail and the Just for the chaos of it. Yeah, and the, the animals all panic and the pigs flee. The pigs run away. So and that was their intent. That was the point. The that was the, that point. Was the yeah. thing that they accomplished it. We cut to Cindy and she's leaving the widow's room saying, I don't understand her. She calls me and then I get there and she says she doesn't want me. I don't know what she wants. And she goes to the kitchen and Bertha meets her in the kitchen going, pigs got away. Na, 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 na. And it's your fault because you left the gate open. And I'm going to tell so mother. Uncanny. It's so uncanny. She goes, pigs ran away. Pigs ran away. It's just like a weird little chant. It's very, it's uncomfortable. You didn't close the gate. I'm gonna tell on you. It's very weird. It's very uncomfortable. It's extra weird when you remember that this is like a woman of marriageable age. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway. So so um, Cindy's like, but I didn't. That's not my fault. And Eartha goes, I know, but mother will never believe you. So you have to run away to your grandmother's house in the woods. It's your only chance. And then Ertha starts to cackle, mm-hmm. and the widow is very angry. Bertha's just riding a rocking horse in the background for no reason, and yeah. the yeah. widow throws a tantrum that Cindy has gone or something, and just starts destroying furniture and windows, and at this point, Talon and I go, oh, well, that's why the house is such a disaster. You keep destroying it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just keep punching holes in your drywall and being like, I don't know why there's holes in my drywall. And also, instead of doing chores, your Cinderella is putting on, like, true-to-life performances of other fairy tales. Yeah, like, no wonder this house is all of the barnyard animals. Yeah, no wonder this is a disaster. So then Cindy approaches the weird cottage, which just 
to remind you, is surrounded by giant wooden dwarves. Yep. Which is the size of your average person. So Cindy kind of walks around calling for her grandmother, who's not there. And then she starts crying to the weird gnomes. Basically, she's upset that if she goes back, the widow's going to punish her. But if she stays, she'll never see Philip again. So she is in a quandary. Yeah, she's in a quandary. But how this, like, calcifies within her is it manifests in, oh, if only you were alive, you could all be my friends. And then her teardrops fall on them. And also she kisses one on the cheek and he comes to life and goes, I'm alive. And then there's like a song about all the dwarves coming to life and their names are things like Moody and Rudy and Funny and Looney. It's Moody and Udi and Funny and Rudy and Looney and Mitzi and Fitzy. Okay, I got like 45% of that. (laughs) You sure did. I'm proud of you. (laughs) I knew there Um, were going to be crazy names, so I was like, I'm prepped. I know these are going to be bonkers names. No way are they going to do like sleepy, dopey, happy, grumpy. No way. Great. And they're like, there's seven of us, but actually there's eight because look, there's Pinocchio over there and there's a wooden Pinocchio who's also made out of wood, also the same size as the dwarves, but he's articulated like a puppet. So he has like hinges in his arms Mm -hmm. and he's on strings. Yes. So Cindy kisses him on the head and he also comes to life and he's also flesh toned like the dwarves, but he still has like the ball joints and he still looks like a puppet. Yeah. Made out of human flesh. Human flesh puppet. Yep. That's, that's not a sentence I wanted to say today. So the dwarves are like, oh, Cindy, when you're around us, we feel 10 feet tall. And she goes, I love you all, but grandma. And they're like, oh, yeah, grandma. Everyone refers to her as grandma. The dwarves decide that it's too dangerous for Cindy to come with them, so she's going to stay at the cottage with Pinocchio to guard her, mm-hmm. and all the rest of the dwarves are going to go look for Grandma. Oh, no, because they know that the widow captured her, which means that they are sentient wooden statues. Yeah, no, they're full-on people now. No, 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 but they, they knew that that happened as they were wooden statues, which means that they are frozen in some sort of always-observing hellscape. I don't like that. Let's keep going. I don't want to think about that. Okay. So. So the widow's eating cake and, and cookies. She's, and she's mad that there, she only has cake and that there aren't any extra cookies. Yeah. And she's decided that Cindy's hidden the cookies somewhere. So she tosses the cake over to the side. Bad move. Always go for cake, not cookies. Yeah. Like, cake is, cake is far. You can fall on whichever side of the cake pie debate you want to, but I think we can all agree it is superior to cookies. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so then she comes across Cindy's music box and she throws it down and it pops open and she sees the two little figures like spin around and the widow goes dancing. Cindy loves dancing. That's it. And then honey falls on the music box and then the widow stomps on it. So it's broken. But what the widows decided is that Cindy loves dancing. And if there was a ball, she would have to go to that ball because she loves dancing. She could not resist it. Therefore, they have to throw a ball. And then she looks at her reflection and goes, how clever and beautiful you are. And this is where I was like, oh, my God, they're going to throw a trap for Cinderella. Yep. It's all this season, surprisingly, is all tying together. (laughs) So then she writes, widow's masked ball, everyone invited in lipstick, and then puts a big kiss on the invitation and then we see her giving a giant stack of these papers to earth just a massive amounts 
It's huge. So you got to wonder how much lipstick she used up because lipstick is not an ideal writing medium. Like you can write in it, but it's just not super efficient. Anyways, that was where my thoughts went. So, sorry, I just like, she made a, a bunch of flyers, dude. It's fine. She made a bunch of flyers. Sorry. Okay, so, whatever. So she gives a big stack to Eartha. Bertha pulls Eartha's braids and paints glue on her face. And then Bertha puts one of the things, the posters up over a tree, but a squirrel bursts out because it was a squirrel's nest. And then Bertha gets her head stuck inside of a tree and the squirrel makes her sneeze and she explodes out of the tree. And then the posters go everywhere and the girls just run away. And then the dwarves show up and find the posters, but they can't read. But Cindy can read. Cindy can read. So they're like, ah, a clue. I will take this to Cindy. Yeah. So what they have done is they have decided to throw a ball and they're inviting people by taking a stack of invitations and just dumping them in one spot in the forest. Yes. I just want to clarify that that's what happened. This will be successful, by the way. Many people yes, will no, show up to this, this ball. Yes, no, this is, in case you were wondering how to throw a good party and have, like, a good turnout post-COVID eventually one day, mm-hmm. um, just, like, a lot of invitations in one single pile in the middle of a forest. Right next to a river, by the way. Right next to a creek. And then maybe, like, seven dwarves will find it. I don't know. Who knows? So they decide to go back to the cottage. We cut to Pinocchio at the cottage, asking Cindy... Are you in love with me, Cindy? Out of nowhere. She goes, well, I do love you. And Pinocchio goes, okay, what's his name? (laughs) What? Yeah, it just, like, it's so weird. I don't understand what their relationship dynamic is supposed to be. It's just very upsetting. I don't understand Pinocchio's relationship with anybody. (laughs) We haven't even gotten there yet. You guys don't even know. You guys don't even know. I don't think we're even like halfway done. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, the dwarves run back in. They give the invitation poster to Cindy. Cindy reads and goes, everyone invited. And Pinocchio goes, that means me too. And the dwarves are like, oh, can we go? And Uh, Pinocchio wants to go so that he can tell Philip that Cindy loves him. Yep. And one of the other dwarves is like, you idiot, she can go and tell him herself. But they have to make her a dress. A special and, one. A special one. And she goes, oh, to see Philip again. And then we cut back to the house. Bertha's spinning around with a big pink polka dot dress. And she says, just a few changes and cuts off the whole bottom half of it. And Arthur goes, that's mother's best dress. It was. So Bertha blames this on Arthur and the widow goes, oh, well, I can't wear rags. It's ruined. And Bertha goes, okay, well, can I have it then? And she can. So she gets to wear this micro mini dress that she's eventually going to explode out of, obviously. Clearly. And then my uh, next note is just, it's snowing. It's winter now. It's winter now. It's been fall, summer. It's, we didn't it's get been a warm enough for a crop top. Yeah. And there haven't been big orange leaves everywhere. So I'm going with, it was summer. But it's winter now. It's middle of winter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cindy is wearing a really pretty white dress, actually. It's got a off-the-shoulder boat neck collar and just sort of a 1950s waistline and just sort of a sort of full skirt. It's not like a big hoop skirt, but it's just got a little bit of floof to it. And it's just very pretty. It has very simple lines. It looks good on her. It's not extravagant. It's genuinely just simplistic and clean lines and lovely. I like this dress a lot. It's a very cute dress. I don't know how it came to be, and I think the fewer questions we ask about it, the better. Me too. Pinocchio goes up to her and says, 
let me introduce myself. I am the Grand Duke of the whole wide world. Would you care for a dance? Cindy sort of curtsies and goes, yes. And then they're all dancing. And By the way, his nose does not grow, which means that it is able to distinguish between lying and joking. Ah, uh, the implications of that. Oh, God, I can't. I, we got we to gotta move on. We got to go. We got to go. <laughs> we got to go. We got to leave that, that thought behind. Uh, so Cindy and Pinocchio dance. He steps on her feet a little bit, which is when they realize that she's barefoot. She's Although been barefoot, presumably this, she's been barefoot this whole shoes. time. No, has she's been she? barefoot this whole time. <laughs> I noted it earlier and forgot to say anything. But yeah, we never see her wearing shoes. She runs around barefoot the entire time, which means that her feet have got to be <laughs> seriously rough. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, their solution to this is to try on all the dwarf's shoes on Cindy until mm-hmm. finally Pinocchio, who has the largest feet, apparently, yep. offers his shoe, which are like green pointy like cloth shoes. It's amazing. And those fit her. So those are the shoes that she will be wearing to the ball. That was our shoe trying on montage. Yeah, I guess it was. With many shoes in one foot. <laughs> So the dwarves lead her outside with her eyes closed to show her a surprise. And we were all surprised. It is a snow carriage shaped like a swan. It is so elegant and so beautiful. And just like the design is gorgeous. It looks both magical and like you could actually fit into it. Mm-hmm. I was we blown it. away. I was blown away uh, until I realized how they were going to locomote <laughs> this thing. So they, they give her also a snow mask and a snow crown. remember it's a masquerade yes Uh, so they have given her a mask made of ice and snow and she's like but it's snow it'll melt and they go yes but it's magic so it'll melt at midnight sure sure and that's fine so she gets on the sled and then the dwarves attach ropes to the front and the back of the sled and then they start pulling and pushing it um based on where they are standing and i guess that the widow's house must be downhill. But later we find that the way back is also downhill. So, so I'm not sure what's happening, but they're going to pull and push it until it can slide. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it's just very hilly all around and they're in a constant process of pulling it up a hill and then pushing it down the next one. I suppose. It takes a lot of, like, the sparkle out of it. It really does. I... It- it would have been so easy to just hook up, I don't know, maybe one of the moose that we see to pull it. <laughs> if there had been a swan snow carriage drawn by a pair of majestic meese, would that not have been the best thing ever? I would adore that. By the way, nobody emails. I know that the plural of moose is moose, but it should be meese, and it makes me happy to think that it's meese. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, also, Pinocchio is attached to the back of the carriage and is skiing down after it. So everyone's, everyone's going to the ball. Yes. So they're at the ball. By the way, the dwarves are excited to go to the ball because they can ask more people where grandma went because we still haven't found grandma. Nope. Hope she's okay. Hope she's okay. The house is magically not a disaster, even though no one has been cleaning or repairing anything for however long it's been. There's a whole bunch of people at this party. They're all wearing masks and dancing. I didn't note any of the costumes except that somebody is wearing a full suit of armor. There's a guy dressed like Napoleon. There's somebody dressed as a clown. And there's somebody in a full gorilla suit. Oh, wow. I completely missed that. It's like that Stanford experiment where you just don't see the gorilla. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I found the gorilla. Okay. So people 
did come to the widow's house. They knew about the party somehow. And many of them came in costume. Philip did not come in costume. He nope. just came in a tux. Nope. But we get this weird scene. So we see the dwarves standing next to a person of Cinderella's height wearing a pink off-the-shoulder crop top t-shirt and ripped jeans with no shoes and shoulder-length black hair of the same hairstyle holding a brown paper bag mask up to their face like one of those ones that's on a little stick that you hold up to your face Mm -hmm. and the widow goes ah there she is and races over and rips the mask away from this person revealing a mustache because this is a fellow and then she scolds him for his stupid costume and takes the wig off of his head and he's bald and now we just have a bald mustachioed guy in a crop top pink shirt and ripped jeans wandering barefoot around this masquerade ball where everybody else is in old-timey costumes and just to clarify this is like a guy that lives in this village that heard that the widow that lives at the uh, other end of town is throwing a masquerade party. And it was like, oh, who should I dress up as? Oh, I know. I'll dress up as her neglected stepdaughter who everyone knows she mistreats. Yep, that is what he did. That is what he decided to do. I mean, wow. Yeah. Anyways, Philip shows up in a tuxedo and the stepmother cackles and calls Bertha and Bertha stomps towards him fee-fi-fo-fum-like and picks him up and flings him around in a very aggressive dance and the widow is sort of mocking Eartha and saying you go dance too and pushes her and Eartha stumbles over Pinocchio and is like I don't suppose you can dance but I can and they are having a good time and Eartha says you're a great dancer and very handsome and Pinocchio yeah. says you're very beautiful and then Cinderella shows up and people go is that Snow White? Because she's wearing a white dress. That's what you say about ladies wearing a white dress. Yes, but Philip is very observant, and he sees the ring on her finger, which, by the way, is this little tiny ring with this big heart-shaped red stone, I guess, in the middle of it. It's super clunky. If you're, like, a 10-year-old girl watching this, you're like, that is the ring of my dreams. Oh, absolutely. There is an age where that is peak fashion jewelry. Maybe eight. Maybe if you're an eight-year-old girl. Yeah, between eight and ten. But he sees this ring and he goes, ah, it's Cindy. And then he detaches himself from Bertha and she chases after him and through a series of shenanigans, her dress rips off of her. Yes. So she's wearing her like frilly puffy underwear and like her top is exactly the same color as her skin and it's very upsetting. It's very upsetting because you can only tell by a very thin ruffle around her arms that she is wearing clothes. And so if they don't animate that or if that happens to be off screen or covered by something else, she looks extremely topless. And it's... She just looks like a giant naked baby again. Again. Again, yeah. So Philip and Cindy dance and they're just having a nice time. And Eartha and Pinocchio are also dancing and they're also having a nice time. Eartha notes that Pinocchio is dancing without any shoes and asks him if he always dances without shoes. And he explains that he lent them to Snow White and Eartha giggles a lot. And his nose doesn't get bigger. I mean, that is who he was talking about. I, yeah, I suppose. This is when very... he says Snow White, she knows who he's referring to. I guess. I think it counts as a nickname. All right. All right. Fine, fine. So the dance is done. The prince and Sandy bow to each other. But now it's midnight and she has to go. 
she goes, I have to go. And the prince goes, but why? And she goes, I just do. And he goes, Cindy. And the widow spits out her drink and races after her. Because she did not put two and two together. And even though she threw this entire party to lure Cindy, she has not noticed Cindy there. No. Nope. Despite everybody noticing Cindy there. Yes. And Cindy flees and she does lose her green cloth stocking shoe. Very Robin Hood shoe. Very Robin Hood. She gets in the carriage and the dwarves push the carriage away downhill again, both directions. The widow starts just screeching about things and she's saying, oh, this is her shoe. And Eartha goes, that's not her shoe. It's my dear Pinocchio's shoe. (laughs) And then she takes it out of Philip's hands and just cuddles it to her face and holds it to her heart and then like just nuzzles it a lot. It's real upsetting. Again, She keeps doing it. Oh, and the widow starts getting mad at Philip too, and she calls him a big ninny because he couldn't stop her. Yeah, it's it's weird. We continue this the next morning. Eartha and the widow are fighting over who gets to take the shoe and go find either Pinocchio or Cindy. Somehow, the widow realizes that Cindy must be with Pinocchio at Grandma's cottage, and to which I have in parentheses, okay, I guess, with a bunch of question marks. Uh, sure, fine. She, she calls, deduces it I guess. somehow. She has called Eartha stupid in the meantime, and Eartha stomps down the stairs going, I'll fix you, stupid. We'll see who's stupid. Just you wait. Eartha runs to a stable somewhere, and Philip is there. So I'm guessing this is Philip's stable, although all the animals that were in Cindy's stable are also there. So I think they just all like come to hang out to see I, what's happening. Who even knows? For the drama. And so Eartha rolls in and she goes, Cindy is at her grandma's cottage. And Philip goes, where is that? And Arthur goes, I don't know. It was pretty great. And Paul was like, okay, well, like, who said that? And she goes, my lovely mother, who else? And then Philip sings a song. And it's like, I wonder where can she be kind of song where he's riding through the forest and there's all these animals. And that's where we see like a moose and all these deer and like a pheasant. They're beautifully rendered. And swans. Pheasants with like the whole long tail and thing. I have never seen an animated pheasant in my life. It was beautiful for no reason. For no reason. Just across the screen, just flap, flap, we're in a forest. We didn't think, weren't sure that the moose was going to cue you into the fact that we were in a forest, so we've animated a pheasant to make it positive. And then the song takes a weird turn because Philip keeps calling her the girl in the snow white dress, but like he knows it's Cindy. So yes. he's like, oh, I'll never stop till I find her, the girl in the snow white dress. Where did she come from? Where did she go? There's so much about her that I do not know. Oh, the girl in the snow white dress. But like, it's Cindy. Like, you know, it's Cindy. Also, like, one of the lines is, the moment I saw her, I knew I'd adore her. And I'm like, I, I mean, you already were into her. You, I, I'm, I'm so confused. I'm so confused about yeah, you and your like, sense of object permanence. It's like they wrote a song for if they had met at the ball, but then decided to have them meet earlier, but kept the song in anyway. I guarantee you that is what happened. So we go back to the manor. The widow again casts a weird spell on the mirror and the mirror gives her a very large nose, much like Pinocchio's, and a witch's hat. And then we go back to Grandma's cottage. Pinocchio is fighting furniture, saying, Madam, I'll guard you with my life. A butterfly lands on Pinocchio's nose. He says, ow. And then he says, I'll land on your nose or something weird. I'm going to sit on your nose. That was really weird. I didn't like that. I didn't like it either. But the butterfly has led him outside and the widow shows up pretending to be Pinocchio's mother. 
yeah. and also she's just like a witch though yeah so she's got this big nose it's very clearly on a strap of elastic around her face and her traditional pointy witch's hat and like striped stockings and a dress that is black and tied at the waist as opposed to this red slinky horrible thing she's been wearing uh she's also doing like a very fake italian mamma mia kind of accent yeah, my note here is really fake Russian accent because it starts out being very Russian and then it switches to Italian partway through. It's a very strong accent. It definitely ends being Italian, but I'm convinced it started as Russian. Okay, so the reason it's Italian is, I'm just going to summarize this for you. Her con this time is that she's Pinocchio's long lost mother, mm-hmm. which she proves by the fact that they have the same nose, even though he knows he doesn't have a mother. Yes. He then tells her about Cindy, who is his best friend, and he loves her dearly, and she's the most beautiful person in all the world. To which his mother, the widow, responds with, oh, well, I have the most beautiful apple in all the world, and I would like to give it to her. To which Pinocchio responds, this way, mama. Yeah. Yeah. So then we (laughs) head to the castle of a hundred doors. A hundred which is a lot of doors, I guess. So many doors. And it's doors. got, like, a placard in front that has a skull and crossbones, and there's all this, like, spooky fog around it. Mm-hmm. And someone's yelling, help me, help me, presumably grandma. The dwarves are like, you know, no one ever gets out of that place. I don't like it. It looks real spooky. And then they go inside. Well, the one responds, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm sorry. Excuse me, sir. No one gets out of there. What good will you do her if you find her? I, what's your plan, sir? What do you think is happening? Yeah, no, they just go in there. Yeah, so they go past the skull and crossbones flag, and they go into the final scene of the labyrinth. They're just in an M.C. Escher building with staircases. And they just wander around calling for grandma as doors open and close and disappear behind them. Occasionally, one or two of the doors go, oh dear, which is the correct reaction. The whole thing is filmed very much like a kaleidoscope. The vision triples. Yeah, the vision triples and then fades over itself and doors appear and disappear, but not in like a here and then not here kind of way, but in a here and then the next frame is moving over it kind of way. It's very trippy. It's very cool. Like, I actually have another note about the really high production values on the animation and how much I like it. Yep. But then unfortunately we go back to the cottage. Mm-hmm. In which Pinocchio introduces his mama to Cindy. The widow offers Cindy an apple. And Cindy's spring. like, oh, it's lovely, but we have lots of apples. But the widow insists, and the apple has like weird cursed green smoke coming off of it. Mm-hmm. So you can tell it's magic. It's on a string. And the apple is not to be eaten. The apple is for hypnotizing Cindy. And she does it with like a chant that's like hocus pocus voodoo hoodoo you do all the things they tell you to do and it hypnotizes her yes but pinocchio keeps screwing this up for her by interrupting with like well hey how is she supposed to eat it if you keep waving it around so she has to stop what she's doing and hypnotize pinocchio which she does and she tells him that he is now madly in love with everything made of wood and pinocchio wanders around the room hugging chairs and brooms and begging them to marry him Which she finds, like, very disturbing. Which I realize it's because at one point he grabs her broom 
and presumably the broom is magic although i don't know that we've established the magic exists in this I, universe actually I, yeah i have no idea it's not even clear if this apple is magic or just has drugs on it like just has chloroform on it yeah you just don't know so anyways oh god and then there are apple shenanigans so then there's apple shenanigans and of course the widow brought like a bunch of apples in a basket and they all get mixed up and she needs to find the right apple and cindy and pinocchio are both like helping her look for the evil cursed apple and they finally find it and they help her reach it by all stacking on top of each other and then the widow does the spell again and the hypnosis works and then pinocchio is like it's my turn mama and he wants to do the spell too and so he takes the apple and he does the spell on her chanting the same chant but he doesn't tell her what to do she just starts begging for water for some reason yeah in like this weird i'm dying voice and yeah. she pulls her witch's head down her head so that like it rips through it like she's in agony so he runs to the well and he gets a bucket from the bottom of the well and he runs it on the rope over to his mother uh but then he like trips and the bucket ends up on her head again surprise, surprise. and then through a series of shenanigans he tries to pull the bucket off her head by rolling it back up on the bar and instead she falls into the well with the bucket still on her head this entire time i was not sure if pinocchio had figured out that this was not his mother and was doing a like oh no let me help you get that off your head sort of thing or if he was genuinely sort of in a panic it turns out later he's genuinely in a panic he's like no he still thinks that's his mother yeah because he rolls in later and he's like my mother had us play a game and now cinderella's asleep and my mother's trapped in the well and you're like oh honey you oh god that's so much well worse. literally his next line is oh no mama's down the well and cindy's asleep what should i do so he just runs down the street yelling the names of the dwarves yes yes so philip is riding now and he stumbles upon this castle which has a very sort of abandoned scottish castle look to it it's it's very lovely i like this castle philip and, by the way just a reminder is looking for grandma's cottage so like i said earlier the spooky castle where no one will ever find grandma is actually easier to find than grandma's cottage indeed so he goes into the castle because he hears now lots of people yelling for help and gets stuck in the castle with everybody else my notes say scooby-doo bit but slow motion and not funny yeah they just keep walking into like doors and all the dwarves are still wandering around calling for each other because they've all gotten separated yes and then pinocchio comes up to the spooky castle and as he enters his shoe gets kind of caught on a nail and a string detaches itself and now he's got like a whole ariadne ball of yarn situation for the labyrinth up ahead yep that's yep. just real weird the prince is still calling for cindy by the way he, he's in this haunted castle calling for cindy and they're triggering traps and stuff like they're in a dungeon and they're failing all of their spot checks so <laughs> the dwarves are calling each other's names in granny yes Prince Philip is, is walking around yelling for Cinderella, and Pinocchio is just walking down the hallway yelling, Help, my mama's in the well! Which, again, that could be a really funny scene <laughs> if they played it in sort of a hectic way, but they don't. They play it slow and sedately with really scary, like, ah, music in the background. And it's all very grayscale, very and horror like, vibe to it. Doors keep opening onto like walls, or like it's a trap door instead, yeah. and like, 
it's just really wacky. And finally, everyone bumps into each other, and they're all there. All in the, the same dwarves, room. Yep. Grandma and Philip and Pinocchio. And everybody's just in the same room now at the same time. And this is where Pinocchio's like, Cindy's asleep and my mom is down the well. She played this game with us. And then he says the chant. Philip is like, ah, yes, it must be the widow. Yeah. And the rest of the dwarves point out, like, but we can't get out. And no one gets out of the castle of 100 doors. But then they find the string that Pinocchio has been trailing through this labyrinth. And they laboriously explain to us, the audience, why this string is helpful. Because half of the dwarves get it, but the other half don't. So, like, one of them will be like, ah, yes, I see. And another one will be like, oh, I don't. And then another one will be like, ah, yes, it all makes sense. And another one will be like, oh, hmm, no, I don't, I don't really get it. So they explain it to us just uh, for a long time. And then collectively in a big group, they all grumble, 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 grumble their way out of this castle (laughs) of, again, 100 doors. Pinocchio keeps rolling up the string and it is so much string on his hands both of his shoes are completely on yeah the shoe has not deteriorated at all there's no less shoe there's just a ton of string now all of them get back on philip's horse so philip the grandmother seven dwarves and pinocchio is riding the horse's tail yes and if that sounded like a jarring scene transition it was yes thank you thank you for noticing that Mm-hmm. It sure was. But now we cut back to the well where the widow is climbing out of it, but there's a frog on her head and it, it rivets and she's startled and she falls back down into the well. She was climbing out of that well like a Navy SEAL with just like full upper body strength only. Yeah. I do aerials and I was like, that's a lot of pull-ups, man. That's, that's really hard. <laughs> you should just try to just do a wrap and stand. You'll be able to climb it much better. Like, let me, let me show you. <laughs> Don't show her. She's bad. I mean, yeah, but she's... You have to use your powers for good, not for evil. I'll consider it. So, to (laughs) remind everyone, Cindy was hypnotized into just falling asleep, and she's just laying in the cottage. Mm -hmm. So the prince runs in, and he goes, oh, my darling, and he gives her a kiss on the cheek, which I really liked. Yes. And the dwarves go, is she going to die? Which I didn't know that that was, like, a consideration, (laughs) but okay. And so the stakes suddenly got higher. Yeah, so the prince picks her up baby style, and she wakes up and goes, oh, where am I? And the prince goes, oh, thank heaven, my darling. And he's just carrying her in his arms, and she's sort of snuggling against him. She's really cute. Mm -hmm. And then a different dwarf goes, oh, she's all right. Yeah, like, okay, cool. We resolved those stakes real fast. So they just, like, they like to tell us what's happening. Mm -hmm. They They don't really have a lot of confidence that we're paying attention. Which, to be fair, this was either for... Very small children with no attention span, or very high adults with no attention span. I don't know. I don't know who this is for. Me neither. Whew. So then the prince asks Cindy to marry him, and she goes, no, which is the second time we've seen a Cinderella refuse mm-hmm. the prince. And he goes, why not? And she goes, I can't marry you because you're a gentleman, and look at me. I have nothing. Grandma chimes in with, oh, no, uh, your grandfather's will left you everything. It's in his will. And from the well, <laughs> yeah. the widow rises like a specter. And she goes, where is the will? Show it to me. And then there's a Pinocchio lot of... Pinocchio goes, mama. And there's a lot of well antics. Pinocchio drops her in the well again accidentally. There's so much well antics. And she yells, until you show me the will, I still own everything. 
which is true as well, the deceased wife. No, the grandmother no. as well. Never yeah, mind. So, I don't know how that works. So yeah, that's the thing. It would depend. Maybe on... she was the grandfather's second wife. Oh no, because because Granny's alive. Maybe they're divorced, or maybe she's the like the maternal grandmother. Oh, that's true. They never said that that was her husband. They don't. They do. Ha- she does have a picture of him, and there is a picture of him in the main house. Oh, it is kind to- of weird if it's the stepmother's father. We're going to talk about this in the after party. Okay, guys. okay, we follow have us, to move on. Follow us in the after um, party for okay. legal analysis of Cinderella Wills. Um, <laughs> so Grandma does the riddle thing again, and she's like, "Oh, little Pinocchio knows. Only Pinocchio knows." And at this point, I'm like, "Oh, is it like in his nose?" Because they keep saying the word "nose." And Olivia was like, yes, that's, that's yeah. the thing. But Pinocchio is emphatically denying it on screen. He's like, I don't, I don't. I'm falsely accused. I'm innocent. I have no knowledge of the whereabouts of this will. I'm, I'm innocent, I say. And Philip, like, repeats the rhyme, and he's like, ah, yes, the nose. And he figures it out. And then he starts twisting Pinocchio's nose, and at first it doesn't look like it's meant to twist, but you hear a lot of twisting wood noises. Yep. And then his nose pops off and Grandpa's will comes out. And everyone's like, Grandpa's will, what does it say? Grandma reads it out loud and it says, I leave everything to Cindy. And the widow's like, I don't believe that. What about me? Read what it says about me. And apparently it says that the widow shall keep all of the possessions until Cindy's married. And then all of the possessions will be Cindy's forever. And so Philip is like, oh, now will you marry me? And Cindy's like, yes, oh, yes. Because now, not only is she getting to marry him, she also gets to spite the widow, I guess. Who has once again fallen back down the well. Yes. So then church bells ring, and the prince starts singing about the church bells ringing, how it's Cindy's wedding day. And maybe it's not meant to be literally the prince, but it's clearly his voice actor, because yep. he's just, he, he just sounds like an Australian man. And there's, like, dwarf shenanigans as they're all trying to ring the bell and they end up stacked on top of each other. It's stupid. And the song is, like, goodbye nasty yesterday, goodbye tears and sorrow, and something about lots of friends to hug and kiss. Granny's making a cake that's a Cinderella and Philip, which is how we find out that Cindy's full name is Cinderella, and And Philip spells with with a double P-E at the end. And the three little pigs show up again. They have returned. That plot thread is closed, guys. We've, we've tied it up. The pigs yes, have returned. Yes, the pigs have made it back. Oh, and we also get a shot of the widow and Bertha washing dishes, presumably in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the animals are invited. They're in the barn at the widow's house. Yep. And then we get to the last part of Grandfather's Will. The dwarves interrupt the wedding to grimly announce that Cindy's grandfather carved them out of wood and they came alive for her and anyone else in need, but now they must go back and turn into wood, which they will do with the sound of the wedding bells. Which we've already heard, so... So now, it happens so now. now. Cindy looks horrified. Nanny's distraught. Eartha's like, oh no, Pinocchio, no! And he turns into wood while she's like standing next to him, and she's like, oh, will you still marry me? And nothing happens because he's made out of wood, and she starts to turn away. But then magically Pinocchio comes back to life and she, is like... She gives him a cheek kiss. Oh, she does. Yes, yeah. that also happens. And he goes, I'll be the best husband in the world. And his nose doesn't grow. So he really means that. Also, he's a real person now. He is no longer animated with ball and socket joints. He has... He's but no longer he is a puppet. still a little bald man with three hairs on the top of his head and a really weird nose. Yes, but at least he's a person now and doesn't have, you know, puppet joints. 
I guess. The mice bring the couple from the music box, the little wooden guy and girl, and mm-hmm. they give it to grandma, and grandma puts it on the cake as a cake topper. And then they come to life again, and they dance as Cindy and Philip in their wedding outfits. Philip was wearing a very nice tuxedo. Mm-hmm. And um, they're dancing in front of the same weird sort of cut-out flower background that we started this whole nonsense on. It's very and- psychedelic, and there's a song, and the song is like, ordinary miracles surround me which is a weird note to end a fairy tale on but it does end but we were so happy that it ends there because it just there's no sort of final line or anything which means i think the final line is i'll be the best husband ever or in the world i I think think so yeah that's the final line of the movie wow okay but it's blessedly done it's it's over and we never have to watch that again oh god yeah okay okay are you okay (laughs) um I didn't like that. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not enjoy that. It went on for a really long time. Talking about it took a really long time. Oh, yeah. It's just, like, it's a lot. It's this too had, much. had so much. Yeah, so h- highs and lows, I guess. Highs, highs and lows. Okay. My high was when the dancing couple reflected in Cindy's giant eyes, and you could see them twirling around. It was such a weird, kooky moment, and it was, like, beautifully animated and very stylistic. I got such a kick out of that. I really liked it. My lows is any time we got a weird underwear shot. Yeah. Which happens so often. Like, so often. Yeah. How about you? What are your highs and lows? So, I think my highs in terms of, you know, actual highs is just the backdrops. The backdrops of this were so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I had visually such a good time watching this, mm-hmm. just from how beautiful everything was. In terms of characters, I love the dogs. I was so happy about those dogs. Those bull terriers, they were amazing. Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel. I loved them. Lowe's, that scene with the udders. Oh, God! I blocked it out! I blocked it out! Sorry. I didn't even think of the... Oh. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. So, what would you change about this movie, Talon? Um, like, fewer animals, and a fewer animals with others that appear on screen. Okay, so I found all of the storytelling flourishes really annoying, and I wish they had condensed it. It was too long. They just stretched it out too long. It should have been an hour max. Like the thing with the poison apple. To have a witch come in with a poison apple, start to hypnotize the main character, have to stop and hypnotize another character, lose the apple, have both characters find the apple, eventually give her the poison apple, which she then throws away, gets stuck on a cuckoo clock, and now we have to do shenanigans to go get it from the cuckoo clock, at which point she then hypnotizes the main... Like, why? Why? Why did we do that? You could have just hypnotized the main character. It was just... It took so long Yeah. for the one joke, and it's not that good of a joke. So what would you change about this? Okay, you're going to be really mad at me about this. As long as you don't say more songs. No, absolutely. Not more songs. I would just change the name of the castle to the castle of a million doors or something. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's the only change. This is the only problem you have with this. Okay. If I was going to change something for real, though, I mean, A, that really rankled. I really didn't enjoy that. That bothered me all the time. I would have spent way less time animating both breasts and people <laughs> getting their heads stuck in things. I just could have done a whole bunch less antics that were boob related the amount of pendulous animation that we got was really upsetting and i didn't want any of it i thought that their choice of locations was really bizarre because their locations were the widow's house the forest 
the cottage and the spooky castle. Yep. And that's really weird because I would have liked to have had a ball be at the princess house and I would have liked that to have been a location. It's so weird that everyone keeps going to the cottage and then to the spooky castle and then back to the cottage. Or a scene with the village, like a bell song. Where Where did all the people come from? We don't know. How glad were you that people showed up to that ball and it wasn't just animals in each other's skins? Oh, I hadn't even considered that until now. You're welcome. So, Talon, do you think our listeners should watch this? No, I don't. No, guys, don't watch this. It's not good. No. How about you? Definitely don't. Definitely don't watch this. Will you ever be watching this again? No, never. If I could go back and unwatch it the first time, I would. What about you? Absolutely. I'll 100% be getting my stoner friends together and having them get high and watch them watch this. This is going. It's not good. I don't think they'll like it. They won't like it. I will like watching them watch it, though. Uh, I, I tell them ahead of time, if anybody is mad at me about this, I let them know it's full disclosure that what they're going to be watching is terrible. And they never believe me that it's going to be as bad as it is. And we all have a good time. And we make a lovely memory together. <laughs> well, at least something good's going to come out of this, I guess. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have some great parties once COVID ends. So what is your final grade for this movie? Like a D. It's just a D. Okay. I guess it's a Cinderella, but I didn't like it. And all of the things they did were bad choices. And I found it just so annoying to watch. Mm-hmm. All the songs were really annoying. Anytime that they went off track from the plot, I was like, oh, here goes another like 30 minutes of my life. <laughs> I just didn't like their voices. Like all of their voices were really annoying. I found the experience of this to be like a net negative. How about you? What's your grade? I'm torn between like a C and a C plus because they did physically a really good job. Like their animation was really well done. Their rendering was really well done. They spend a lot of time being very spooky, which I really enjoyed. I I love it. I do like that. Yeah. But not in a terrible way where there are like trees with crying, tortured end faces in the background, just like regular creepy. So I really liked that. I thought it was creative, if nothing else. It was kind of horrible. I really liked the prince. I loved how he interacted with Cindy. I yes. loved Okay, how... I like the prince a lot, for sure. And I loved not just his kid, but like I loved how they met. I loved that he problem solved for her. I loved that he acknowledged like her problems and he talked to her and that he was interested in her from the beginning and that that wasn't like an issue. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the uh, stepsister just that had just the true neutral vibe going on. I thought that was hysterical. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean... I'm gonna go with a C plus. Okay. I mean, you gotta follow your heart. Yep. Well, it's almost midnight, so thanks for joining us. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you, so follow us at Cinderpod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at the Cinderella Podcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbity bobbity bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella, but with more adult questions, language, and beverages, join us in the Ever After Party at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. So, love, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are going to be watching Rags, made in 2012. It is a musical comedy. It is about an aspiring singer whose terrible family keeps him from realizing his musical dreams, and a pop star gets tired of other people exerting control over her career. So this looks like a flipped Cinderella. So our Cinderella is actually going to be a young man, and our prince is going to be 
a pop singer who is a person of color. Um, That's so exciting. Yeah, so this should be fun. Um, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. It looks bad, but it looks like a really fun kind of bad. I'm really excited. Well, until then, we hope you have a happily ever after.